Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. You can find a widget at All About Jazz, and no, I'm not really sure what a widget is either, but if you go to AllAboutJazz.com and just scroll down to the bottom of any page, you'll find a little box, and it will show you who's on the jazz session. And if you click on the link in that box, you'll see a little link that says Get the Code, and you can put that same box on your website. And uh, I have it on all of my sites, and many other jazz people have it on their sites, and it's a wonderful way to spread the word about the show and it's a wonderful way to spread the word about your website because if you put the widget there and you let me know about it, then I will send folks to your website in my newsletter. You can find every episode of this show at iTunes and you can also find it at thejazzsession.com where you'll also find Amazon links to help you purchase the music that you hear on the show. And if you do it that way, the reason I suggest that is because a little bit of the purchase price comes back to the Jazz Session. You'll also find a donate button if you feel like the Jazz Session has added to your life and you'd like to kick something in monetarily. You can do that safely and securely through the PayPal donate button at thejazzsession.com. My guest today is pianist and composer Emilio Solia and his band, The Tango Jazz Conspiracy. Well, it's actually just Emilio on the show, but he and the band have a new album called Bien Sur, and it begins this way with a track called Remain Alert. My guest is Emilio Solia. He has a new album called Bien Sur with his band, The Tango Jazz Conspiracy. Uh, and it's my pleasure to welcome Emilio to the show. Thank you for being here. Hey, how are you, Jason? It's my pleasure to, to be here with you and, and your audience. 
I really, really enjoy this record, and uh, I think one of the things that I enjoy most about it is what sounds like the attitude you had when making it, which is to not really worry, despite the fact that the band is called the Tango Jazz Conspiracy, is to not really worry about the labels and to just make good music. Can you talk about your approach to making this record? Yeah, sure. Well, it's uh, I say sure, but then it's sometimes it's difficult to really you know, picture how to put into words the, the, the amount of things that uh, that your own compositions and your own music uh, has for for uh, for a musician, you know. So, um, but certainly about that that uh, particular point that you're um, talking about, it's just um, I I mock a lot uh, at at names and at labels uh, myself, you know. I think that sense of humor is a, is, is a must, especially if you're Argentinian. Somehow, you know, I I love to 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 laugh about um, about honestly also about the importance that some jazz musicians and some we musicians we give you know like to the music we do and about what it should be and what it should be called and I'm into this and I'm into that and uh, I think really it's like if you've read the, the liner notes you, you'll get a little bit of my spirit of it it's like hey guys you know we're just here to make music we are not um, we are not doctors as I say to my students sometimes it's like you know you're not in a surgery room like if you you know if you make a mistake or if you play the wrong tune or if the arrangement didn't sound that good or if the version in the record is not that good then nobody dies you know it's, it's no big deal so I think that the the whole thing is about First of all, having fun and and doing and going for something that you really feel it's your it's your own music. And here <clears throat> we get into the label things about the tango jazz conspiracy. And as, as you see in my liner notes, the first thing I think is like, uh, what is this tango jazz uh, thing? Well, I have no idea. You know, I myself I'm admitting I have no idea, which is funny because sometimes the journalists that write about the record uh, take it like not very very well. You know, said oh he himself says. He has no idea what he's doing. Well, if you go to the record, you can certainly maybe tell that that's not exactly the case. But <laughs> the, the, the point is, like, you know, what what kind of music are we doing? Is that jazz music? No, it isn't, because, you know, we don't swing. This is not the bebop swing thing. Is it tango music or no? You know, they would be, you know, beat me up in Buenos Aires if I go and present this as, as tango music. So what is it? Well, it's, you know, obviously it's a, it's a kind of mix between my Argentinian background, my folk and tango Argentinian background, and of course all the jazz and, and modern music influence and contemporary, you know, European contemporary music and every music I, I've been exposed through my, you know, classical training and my jazz training. And that's what I try to, to come up with, you know, something that hopefully will not be a hybrid, but something that I believe is starting to sound like like with a with a weight of its own and with a with a sound of its own that has to do with all these influences that are very present in my music. It's definitely like modern Argentinian music, but with a very a very heavy jazzy side in terms of of creative approach. In terms of you know there are solos and there's like a lot of free space for the musicians to to put their own you know their own flavor in the in the whole
is that is that attitude toward music uh, is that something you've had to kind of develop and evolve over time or have you always had that kind of that opinion of not taking things so seriously it's it's interesting i think i'm i'm i'm, um, I'm more relaxed as i as i grow up and as, as time goes by and as, as i as i do more more records and, and present my music more i'm also like tending to take things less seriously I, I used to be very very much worried and you probably can can picture that in my first recordings and my first things it's like you know i used to to write even the drum parts you know like uh hit per hit i want your snare here and now i'm <clears throat> and since i moved to new york i think that has uh, like uh, also a big impact in me like i'm i'm more and more jazzy in the attitude you know in like about like letting it go and trying to write more and more for the people i'm playing with and here everybody's about improvising and, and that kind of stuff so i think that that is definitely taking my music into a into a path where improvisation and fun and last minute ideas are, are more welcome than than they used to be I, I, I used to be like more you know worried i think and so what does that mean uh, when you and the band, for example, go into the studio to record this album? Uh, how, what does that, what do you bring in with you? How much is already predetermined and how much do you let happen in the recording session? It depends in, on the tune, I guess. Like you can tell there are tunes like Candomblé or, or Remain Alert are, are very, you know, jammy and very, you know, like the... the um, the form, for example, for Candomblé, when we had these Uruguayan percussion players, we, we made it up there in the, in the studio, like, oh, let's do it this, and Jorge would come, oh, no, why don't we go here then, and blah, blah, you know, we, we actually, we, we almost built it, like, there. Uh, but then other tunes, like Heartbeat, the one I wrote for Billy Hart, and that beat is, is playing there, that is more like a, you know, chamber music kind of approach, it has a a kind of fugato part at the end, counterpoint, very complex. But so in those cases, you know, I, I, I'm 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 the composer, I'm the serious guy again with the with the pipe and the mustache, and I sit hours to you know write every single note of every instrument. I, I like that also. I think that that is has a lot to do with the way I I sound. Like sometimes you get really into into you know very brainly. Uh, approach of some parts and everything is very rich and I, I like orchestration and I, I like to sit down and, and write the music definitely. Is it easier to have a, a, a freer approach in the studio because this band has been together for a while now and you all know each other well? Yes, sure. And it's very easy when you count on these, these tremendous, you know, guys like Richie Barsha, Chris Cheek, Jorge Reder, Victor Prieto, who are the, the core of my my quintet of the Tango Just Conspiracy, and then the guests like Tim Armacos, Lucia Pulido, and, and Billy Hart, as I said, and, and this, the Uruguayan drummers. You know, when you have people that is really into, you know, making it happen, then you you feel more more safe and more sure that you wanna that you wanna take risks. And, and we've been playing actually already for like kind of three years here in New York, so definitely that's that's very important. I think you, you, that's one of the things that I am more happy with of the records. You can feel it's not just a, a recording session, but a project that, you know, is playing and suddenly one day they get into the studio and they just do their thing, you know. Some, sometimes, you know, it happens in a recording. You play a better version, a worse version. One solo is more inspired than, than another. So again, so what? You know, it's like it's not the end of the world, man. It's like we're playing, we're playing music and we're putting our best vibe and our, 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 
best energy into that, and I think that you can certainly breathe that throughout the, the record. It happens to me when I listen to it, so I'm, I'm happy with that. You know? You, uh, I think it's in the liner notes, although maybe it's somewhere else that I read. You mentioned uh, you feel that you're part of the kind of post Piazzolla generation, um, who you know kind of came to being after he had, in many ways, already taken uh, kind of tango music even farther than it had been before. Do you, does it seem like he kind of cleared some path so that people could more freely experiment uh, with what had been kind of more regimented music? Yes, certainly. You know, Astor Piazzolla is, as you probably are already aware of his music, as as many as many American, you know, musicians and and, and people that is in, in the the music. He was the the big guy, like he took tango music to a different level, um, connecting it more with more contemporary and rhythmically very very tough and very intense stuff um, that he has in his head about his writing and, and his playing. Also, his mandolin playing was. It was really fantastic, you know. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. When I when I refer to this post Piazzolla thing, it's like I, um, I am to that generation that that came before, that came after. Sorry, him and and we are taking all that language uh, from him. And probably what we are doing more is like accepting more influences from other music, especially jazz music, which after Piazzolla was, I guess, a little bit reluctant to. To open himself too much to improvisation, he was definitely like a chamber music-oriented musician with tango, and you very seldom find improvisations in his music. And when it happens, it's more like a variation on the melody. And then sometimes they take small solos, especially the guitar or the piano, um, and they bump for a little bit. But you know, it's, it, it was not his thing. He, he didn't, for some reason, you know, he he was not really putting that that element into his music and I am to, of the generation of guys that really got crazy about jazz and about playing more free and playing solos and so that's that's where we're standing now. Uh, I feel I, I share this this approach, although it's very different with many of the musicians of my of my generation. Like we're all going in different ways somehow but we are we are all making the, the jazz approach and the creative approach very very present in the in the traditional tango stuff. 
You mentioned that some of your earliest uh, memories are of listening to folkloric music because your parents were friends with folkloric musicians. Um, can you talk a little more about that and, and what the music of uh, the folkloric music of Argentina is like? I know it's hard to describe music. Yes. Yeah, the, our folk music, what we call folklore, is uh, very, very different from tango music and is the music of the countryside. Mainly the folklore that I have more influence from is, uh, is the folk music from the northwest of Argentina. And those are rhythms that are like 3, 4, 6, 8, like the chacarera, the samba, which is a samba with, with Z. Uh, it has nothing to do with the Brazilian samba. The samba is a very slow 3, 4 uh, rhythm. And, you know, the baguales, vidalas, gato, malambo, all these rhythms. Um, I was very, very much influenced. Actually, that was my very first music, the music that was listened at my, at my house, which was not, not at all tango music. I think I really got hooked by tango music many, many years later and through Astor Piazzolla, because when I, when I used to hear like the older tango, tango from the 30s, the 40s, I had no interest at all in, in that when I was a teenager, because it sounded like old music, like music that didn't have to, to really, to, to do with my own, thing of all the things that I wanted to, to do or to, or to listen to, you know, until I heard Rasta Piazzolla, and then I said, oh, okay, <laughs> here's, a, here's a new thing, and, and, and we, can, we can work with this, and we can incorporate this to, to our sound. And when did jazz get introduced into your musical vocabulary? Well, around that time, I think, when I was, like, I, I left the piano for some years. I started very, very, like, very young when I was eight, then I quit it because I was sick of, you know, playing Bach and Bartok and, and classical stuff at the conservatory. And then I was some years away. I studied guitar and I was not sure about music. And then I got back at 16 or 17 and then I took it really very seriously. And by that time, I think it was good to have like older brothers that would come, would, would bring home like every, every kind of, of, of record. And I got into Chick Corea, the Return to Forever stuff, you know, and, uh, and then Bill Evans and Oscar Peterson. I had a brother that used to play drums, as an aficionado, you know, like uh, he was into jazz music, so he would come with uh, with Oscar Peterson records at home and that kind of thing. And, and suddenly that, that definitely got into me, and, and I decided I wanted to, to do that for, for a living, <laughs> which is still <laughs> something that I have to see if I can do. But uh, it's such a tough thing man, to, be a, to be a musician and stay being a, a full-time musician in, in New York. But we are, we are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. Yeah, I, I want to talk about um, about how you got to New York, but actually, in between there, uh, there are a number of years that you spent in Spain. Why, why did you choose to go there? Well, I just, <laughs> what I really chose, chose to do was to get out of Argentina, you know, which is an impossible place to live in. It's, um, but we'll get into that, I, I guess, into some other program because this would this would take like like a, a bunch of you know explanations and, and considerations. But let's say briefly that I I started uh, playing and making my own thing in the 80s in, in, in the decade of the 80s. 83, I think, was the year that I started um, working as a professional musician for the first time. And then I got into this sextet, and we were doing like very very modern, like out of the world. Tango, very weird things. We we knew very little. Our compositions were really very stupid at some point, but we believed, you know, like we were doing something so new and so hip. And we were into 
into all these kinds of stuff, and we were playing a lot. We, we used to play it in, in TV shows in Argentina. We used to play in the, you know, there, there was a lot of activities like in the parks and in the squares, and we got hired, and, and we played in clubs. You know, we were 20, nothing, 20 maybe. And, and then suddenly in the 90s, we had this, you know, this impossible president in Argentina, Menem, uh, and, and, and all was about the economy, and we had lots of economic problems, and all the culture suffered a lot. And then um, everything kind of started disappearing, you know. So I was feeling like 10 years after that, I was hopefully a better musician. I had studied a lot. I was still, you know, studying and, and getting into things. I was doing my first records. But then I would have less and less and less activity, less places to play less possibilities to, to develop myself as a, as a musician, as a person, you know. And, and and I had to get out of there. And I had these friends that were starting to go to Europe and play in Germany and play in Sweden. And I was really, you know, like dreaming with that. So Barcelona actually was a kind of an accident because I was working with an actress and singer in Argentina, uh, Cecilia Rosetta, a very, very big you know, uh, show woman there. And she got this job to go to the, to the summer festival in Barcelona. I had not been in Europe yet, and I was dreaming that Europe was the place where my music would would uh, could really, you know, like uh, like start to, to to happen somehow. And that's it. I put my feet in Barcelona, and I fell in love with the place totally. And next thing you know, you you spend eleven years there, you know. And it was it was great because not only because living in Spain is great, but also it gave me uh, a very big platform to to start working in in Europe, which I did a lot, and to start recording for Fresh Sound Records, which is a, a Spanish label that is very, very prestigious. You probably know it very well because it's recorded like many New York young cats in the 90s, like all, you know, like first Brad Meldau's record, first Ethan Iverson's records, Chris Cheek, Woodrow and Winkle, everybody you name of that of the 90s here would have like one or two records with, with Jordi Pujol, you know, with Fresh Sound. So, uh, so I started, you know, I, I got into that label, like lots of good things started happening to me. And, you know, you, you were living and, and working in a place where if they tell you you're going to have a gig in four months, the gig is there and it happens, you know. In Argentina, man, you, you never know next day you wake up and the country is still going to be there, you know. That's the, the, that's the way we live down there. And it was very good for me, very positive to get out of there and to understand that you can live in a different way, right? And... I- I may uh, I may display my ignorance right here, but it sounds to me like right in the first few seconds of this record, we're hearing an instrument that probably wouldn't be on the record if you hadn't lived in Spain, isn't that right? The is the Galician bagpipe is that a an instrument that originated in that part of the world? Uh yeah, that's the Galician bagpipe. But that's um, that's just something that came up uh, as we were saying before, right? Like uh, kind of in the recording because. Um, if you read that uh, that tune is about uh, this subway message about remaining alert and about the paranoia, uh, you know, in New York and everything. So we were looking for something uh, estrident. Do you say estrident in English? Like Strident. something that sounds really like uh, very provocative and very intense and very weird, you know. And 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 Victor had just started studying the the bagpipe. Uh, a little bit. Actually, he's not still playing it very well, and that was the best part of it. He said, man, bring it in and just play something that will, you know, like like put us in, in that kind of tension and nervousness. And that's it's just a coincidence. We could have used, like, any other weird instrument that would be uh, an elephant-oriented, you know, kind of uh, angerish noise and thing, you know? Sure, sure. Thank you. 
Uh, so, um, you had some kind of institutional help to come to New York, isn't that right? Yes, yes, and that's another great, great thing that I'm so thankful to to Spain. Well, I shouldn't say Spain, maybe here, but Catalonia. You know that in Spain is like there's different communities, and uh, they all have their own, uh, like local governments, their own support, like cultural part. I have to say that Barcelona and Catalonia are by far the most advanced, the most European ones in terms of aids and, and you know, support for the artists. And uh, these people treated me like, like a local, you know, like uh, after many years of living and working there, you can, you know, apply to these to these aids. And they really were very generous and they, they, they helped me a lot economically to come established in New York for the first year and start get getting my things going going here and that was like almost four years ago you know so I'm really very very thankful to them Why did you want to come to New York? Well, you know, you're a musician trying to, you know, break through with your own sound, with your own thing, um, and and you're and you know you're, you 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 get to Buenos Aires, you get to Barcelona, you you do a career, you are you are you know doing good more or less. You have your students, you have your music, your band, your your, your records, you play around. Um, and then you have the, it's very dangerous that you feel that you, that you already, you know, that you're already good. But then, you know, you come to New York and you realize you're nobody. You know, it's like you, anywhere you go, there's like 20, 20 year old cats that are playing better than you, writing better than you, knowing more than you. And, and I think I was again looking for some kind of challenge, like, uh, putting myself into the right place and just shut up and keep working, keep, you know, practicing and improving. And, and here you have the, the chance also to work with some great musicians because everybody seems to be here or live in New Jersey or, or, or spend here six months a year. And, and you know, that's incredible because, you know, when, when, you, when you have this challenge of trying to keep up with, you know, Chris Cheek, for example, in the band, you know, sometimes I'm playing on stage and I, I you know, I take my, my eyes out of the piano and I see Chris Chick playing there. Man, the saxophone, he's been playing with me in the band for almost four years and I, I still ca- have to pinch myself and say, man, that, that's Chris Chick playing. You know, so, you you know, you, you feel that you have to really try to make it better and better every day because, you know, Chris has been playing his records with Brad Meldau, you know, who is one of the most outstanding and great piano players of all times. Uh, in every sense, you know, creatively and technically. And everything. So, you know, you're playing with these guys. Uh, Richie Barshi has been playing with Hancock, Harry Hancock for three years and years ago. 
you know, you say, man, you cannot just go there, you know, and do anything without practicing, without being in good shape. You have to to give, like, try to give the best of yourself all the time, and that gets you better, I think, no? Because really you, you have to, you're under that, that pressure, which is a good pressure. It's not the paranoia, you know, about, oh, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm so good, I'm so bad, I'm so good, I'm so bad. No, it's not about that. It's about uh, being focused in, in trying to make it happen at the best level with the, with the best musician. Not like working like I did with Paquito de Rivera a couple of years ago that I uh, I did a record. I, I was in, in, in one of his records playing a couple of tunes, arranging for him, or work with Arturo Farrell uh, Orchestra, for example. You know, you have to show up there and, you're, and suddenly Arturo says, okay, uh, can you conduct also in the gig because I wrote some arrangements. And then the next thing I know, I'm at the Lincoln Center, you know, in the big room, conducting four of my own arrangements with Arturo Farrell, big band. You know, if you don't learn out from that, you know what happened. Like three months before that, I was writing 20 hours a day, you know, looking for all kinds of knowledge, taking lessons of big band writing. You know, what happens after that? Like your big band writing gets better. <laughs> and you want to do it right because these cats have been playing with DC Gillespie. You know, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's not just a local band, you know, in, in somewhere in Argentina or in Spain with all my respect. I mean, you know what I mean? But, but it's like these cats have been conducted and played arrangements of the best guys, you know, in that language. So what you're going to do is try to get better so you don't look ridiculous. <laughs> That's why we all come to New York, you know, to be less ridiculous as, as artists, I think. It sounds, it sounds like a very inspiring way to live. Well, man, yeah, I hope so. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy person because I think I'm, I'm you know, as I said what before, like very... In, in a funny way, but it's, sometimes you're struggling to, to make it month by month, you know, by living in New York and, and as a player. But on the other, um, yeah, on the other side, you know, you you have time doing your things. Now now you you got me, like, you know, here writing an arrangement for the BMI workshop with Jim Magnilli. I'm, I'm a student there, you know, I'm doing the BMI workshop. That's a big band, um, the jazz composition workshop with Jim Magnilli. Man, you have Jim Magnilli there with you twice a month that sits there with your score and, and tells you things. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I have a reading next Tuesday with the BMI Big Band. All the cats, they play great music, great arrangers, everybody. So, I'm, you know, I'm working here, like, you know, every day this week trying to, to present a decent chart for them to play, you know. So, yeah, it's inspiring in the sense that, that it makes you it makes you better, you know. It makes you better as an artist, and that's that's... You know, if you're really into what you do in life, what you're gonna do? You're gonna try to to make it better, no? I think that's that's what you live for. That's that's what I live for. You know, honestly.
there's uh, there's one person on this record who certainly has has played with many of the great names in the world of music, and that's Billy Hart. Can you talk about uh, how the relationship with Billy got started and how he appeared on this record? Yeah, um, well, it was um, a funny thing through um, Tim Armacos, again, the saxophone player, who is in the feature in one tune in the record, is a big friend. And um, we were talking with him, and uh, I went to a party at his house, you know, he told me, you know, who, who just left? You know, Billy Hart, because Tim was playing with Billy and the project and everything, and we've been talking about Piazzolla and tango music, and he's so much into it, and he would love to play that, but Piazzolla never paid him any attention and didn't want him in the band, you know, like it looked like Billy would would go and chase <coughs> Piazzolla when Piazzolla came to play in New York, and, you know, he, he was really into the music, so I said, man, you know, I have to, to meet this cat, you know. So, um, to make it short, like I called Billy and he was very friendly. We got together at his place a couple of times, you know, I took some, some Master Piazzolla, old music and some of my, my music to show him. We were like taking coffee and talking and, and, and you know, got acquainted a little bit, started like some kind of friendship and, and he was really into, into playing this and, oh, man, I know nothing about this music, but I love it and I would love to have the chance to play. I said, Billy, you know, let's do something, you know. Uh, and then when I have this, when I have this record, um, I said, okay, maybe this is a good chance. Because then I called Billy to play a couple of times. That he was, you know, he teaches a lot. He's out of town. He's touring, so he was never available. <clears throat> and, but when I had the record, I said, okay, the record is, you know, maybe I can invite him for one tune, and it would be like less of a problem to to uh, rehearse and, and to get it ready and and that's what happened you know he was very positive about uh, about doing it and we had a great 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 time and, and i'm very happy with the result also i think it's a it's a good it's a good take my guest is emilio solia and he and his band the tango jazz conspiracy have a new record on fresh sound called bien sur and uh, the record is fantastic. I encourage you all to check it out. It's, it's well worth your time. And Emilio, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy to hear about all the great things that are going on in your life, and uh, I hope we'll get a chance to talk again. Yeah, man, thank you so much for, for taking some time to to check out what, what we do and to help us, you know, make the people know it. So, yeah, anytime. I'm, I'm, I'm in Brooklyn, so uh, not far. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great.
That's music from Emilio Solia and the Tango Jazz Conspiracy from their album Bien Sur on Fresh Sound. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find links to help you purchase the music and to help you donate to the show. My thanks to the Respect Sextet. I just got to hang out this weekend with some members of the Respect Sextet for a uh, poetry event in Brooklyn. They recorded the theme music for this show. They've got a new record coming out, I believe, a digital release that I'll be telling you about very, very shortly. And you can find them online and figure out for yourself when the record's available at respectsextet.com, respectsextet.com. Thanks also to my friend Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Please go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.